Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need to know political news and tea. So, as always, we'll keep you updated. Hey, welcome back to Top Stories of the Week. Happy Tuesday. We have a lot of stories today, everything from Congress being back to election watch things. And with that said, I feel like we should get into it. We have like extra stories today. Let's <clears throat> let's see. I haven't even looked at what you've picked today. So a lot of things, a lot of, a lot things. of things, but to start too, because there's, they're also going to be accompanied by some ranting. So yeah, thought, okay, you know, <laughs> we might as well open the floodgates at this point. So far as kicking off our election watch segment, we have. Senator Tammy Baldwin announced her re-election campaign. She is Democratic senator and she has spearheaded legislation to protect same-sex marriage and interracial marriages last year and announced Wednesday she is seeking her third term in the battleground of Wisconsin. So she is 60 and she said in a statement that she intends to continue fighting for the working class and families struggling with inflation as well as opposing Wisconsin's abortion ban. No Republicans have announced they are running for Baldwin's seat, which will be critical for Democrats to hold if they want to maintain control of the Senate. So yeah, another big one. Happy to see it. Happy to, happy see, to see it. it too. I feel like icon is like also kind of like a quiet giant, like Mm-hmm. She is makes big moves, but not like one of the main names that people know of, I feel like. Totally. But also not someone that like is so off the radar. There are definitely a few senators out there where I would easily walk by them on the street and have no idea. No. Totally. And then if someone said like, oh, it's so-and-so, I'd be like, oh, okay. But you know what I mean? Like some people just are more visible and louder in terms of like appearances press-wise that they do. Yeah. And I feel like maybe it's not even quite giant. She's just like so solidly like in the middle of. Yeah. I don't, I don't I feel like this to... is one of those moments where we call someone obscure and people think that it's an insult, but it's more like the people's fault for not knowing yeah. more about them because they make such big moves. And I think that is kind of kind of what Senator Baldwin exudes. But serious icon. Happy to see her running again and definitely a necessary race here for the Democrats in the Senate. So and we'll forever interesting about Wisconsin, especially right now. It's like, first of all, we just came off this really interesting Supreme Court. Yeah. Race. But like backing it up, it's like last year during the midterm elections, Ron Johnson was reelected. He is a total horror show instead of Mandela Barnes winning. Yeah. And that what's was so crazy one. though, it's like you have Tammy Baldwin, progressive. And you have Ron Johnson, like those are the two senators and they're picked by the same group of It's so weird. I don't get it. It's so weird. Like I really- Well, it's again back to that like name recognition thing and like the incumbents just having such a huge- Yeah. Huge leg up, which is unfortunate, unfortunate. But yeah, that's a big one. The other big one that just dropped today 
was George Santos. George Santos announced on Monday he is running for re-election despite being dogged by multiple investigations facing questions about his resume and finances and being the target of calls for members of his own party to resign. Since the left is pushing radical agendas, the economy is struggling, and Washington is incapable of solving anything, we need a fighter who knows the district and can serve the people fearlessly and independent of local or national party influence. Yeah, Santos fighter. said in a statement. A fighter. Also, I have a bone to pick with oh. the New York Times because mm, when seeing their article about the matter, I'm sending you the picture that they posted with it. He looked, I just, it's, I just texted it to you. Hold on. I don't like how cool he looks in this picture. <laughs> like, he looks like a full-blown celeb. And I feel like he's just eating that picture up. Like there's no way he's not obsessed with that picture of himself. Like, he is a thousand percent obsessed. I <laughs> don't think he looks cool though. I mean, like, he, you know, he thinks he looks cool though. That's, that's the thing. Okay. That's fair. That's like, certainly. he looks like, and also, look at the person's, like, phone who's taking the video of him, like, how he's in, the, oh, my God, it's, I'm just, like, they could have picked a little slimier picture of him. Like, he's never not looking slimy, but, like. Yeah, like, this is, he looks like a tool, but, like, if you don't know the context yeah. or you don't know him, which I don't know how you don't know him at this point, even if you're, like, not into politics, I feel like you're, you know who he is. Could yeah. be wrong, but that's how, that's my pulse on it. But, like, yeah. it does make him. I don't know. I just. What are your thoughts, New Yorker? What do you think is going to happen with this? I think he's going to lose. Who do you think is going to run? I did see some chit chat. And actually, I even saw this in, I would say, circa December, that Swazi, who we've had on the show, BT Dubs, Mm -hmm. is going to rerun for the seat for background he is a former Congress member, was a Congress member up until this last term, decided to run for governor, didn't make it past the primary. And so in that race, he had to give up his seat. So just background for anyone that's not up to speed. But I could very well see him doing that. And he almost would have that kind of like incumbent name recognition, people in the district yeah. Which is also like, it's also weird. And this is one of those things. Hopefully, I can articulate this the right way. Like, this came out like such a surprise, honestly, for myself that Santos won and came into this whole thing. And part of it, not to, you know, do the blame game, but to truly play the blame game, the redistricting process yeah. in New York last year was such a shit show. We literally, at one point, I think we've had, based on the changes of, that district, we had various candidates that qualified and were running for that district at different times. And then they were no longer running for that district at a later date. And then switching around, like it was so confusing as to who was running for what district and who was running against who that I think everyone was just like, what? Like, what is going on? And he's a con man. And it was like the Democrats' fault, basically, right? Yeah, I think, well, yes and no. Basically, the maps were decided via an independent redistricting commission and then they got thrown out and then they ended up favoring republicans massively yeah so which is why like six of the seats that were flips in congress were new york because of like wacky districts being made like there's yeah way more registered democrats in the state of new york than republicans 
So look, and yeah. don't get me wrong. Like if you go on Long Island, like let yeah, me Yeah, I feel you, like New York is the perfect yourself. example of why gerrymandering is such an issue. <laughs> like it should so clearly be a blue, like fully democratic state, but like keeps getting itself in trouble with the gerrymandering yeah. at all. Well, part of it, it's like the low turnout issue. I will say forgiveness in this particular race because it was so confusing. Like, yeah. I, I really think like that yeah, it was a shit it. show last year. There I feel like there were so many, so many elections. Which, which one like they and they had different yeah. races associated with them. Like it was such a mess. I love to vote that, and I would have oh. been so annoyed. <laughs> oh my God. It was, yeah. Chaos, chaos, chaos. I really can't. But yeah. So I don't know. I look, if he wins, I, I'm out. I'm going to Mars. Okay. Like, yeah. But it's going to A, depend on who runs and also, you know, how much they engage the voters. But he is such a, what do I, like, like he nationally an, an embarrassment, let alone an embarrassment just to that district. Like, I think that's yeah. enough. He will continue to embarrass himself. And I think that will continue to keep eyes on it if yeah. you're in the district and actually get people out. I don't know. Like, I know that the Dems are send it, sending in massive amounts of money to the New York districts to try and put them back. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think of all of them, like this one, I would be shocked that whoever runs against him doesn't win as a democrat like you would have to be the world's worst candidate on the democratic side to not win this district back totally and especially because i think there probably was a lot of republicans who voted for him just being like he's a republican and i'm a republican and then all of the shit dropped after he won which is just that we can rant about for days but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are even Republican who are be like, not this guy, like, what a joke. So and obviously, totally. there's a lot of Republicans who don't care anymore about any type of moral compass or anything. Right. But I think there is still a big chunk who do could see a Republican primary. You know, True. like, I think that actually, would be, yeah, that would be the, the only way it's like not really about him either. Like, no, the like they're, they're keeping him. They're in it because he gives them a vote on the floor. You know, yeah, that's so true. Actually, I bet someone does run against him. Yeah. So I could see that. I don't know who it would be, but I could definitely see someone running. And if it's a classic like establishment Republican in this particular case, I would bet that they win. And then if there's for a way sure. the and Republicans would be stupid seat, for not running someone against Santos and just being like, bye. bye. <laughs> like he's I don't know. Or you could make the argument that he's a great distraction for their other bullshit. He's off in a corner doing such crazy stuff and saying crazy things. And there's such a constant kiss around him. Like you're putting up the smoke so you can deal with the fire. Mm-hmm. That, I, is, that is very, very true. Who knows? We'll see. He's the Anadelphi of politics. So accurate. Yeah. Well, the next story is vile, disgusting, devastating, Horrible. all the things. So the investigation into the shooting by a homeowner of Ralph Yarl, a black teenager who went to the wrong house to pick up his younger brothers, includes questions about whether race played a role, authorities in Kansas City, Missouri said. Questions. Questions. Easiest answer I've ever <laughs> yeah, answered in my life. Yeah. And it's okay, also sorry, such another gun problem, but whatever. We'll get to that, I'm sure, in a sec. So Clay County Prosecutor Zachary Thompson said Monday that his office is working with police to quickly review the case and determine if the homeowner should be charged. Also, I'm pretty sure I just saw something where this happened to a young white woman. She accidentally pulled into the wrong driveway and got shot and the guy's being 
is charged right already for second degree murder. So just saying. Details on Yarl's, Yarl's condition, other than that he is stable, have not been released. Thompson said in a news release, we understand how frustrating this has been, but we can't, we can assure the public that the system is working as with any serious case submitted to our office, we approach this case in an objective and impartial manner. At a conference on Sunday, police chief Stacy Graves acknowledged the outpouring of anger over the shooting. I want everyone to know that I am listening and I understand the concern we are receiving from the community, Graves said. Jarl, who is 16, was identified online by relatives. He was shot Thursday night when he drove to a home a few blocks away from his own to pick up his twin younger brothers. He didn't have a phone with him and went to the wrong block. His aunt, Faith Spoonmore, wrote on a GoFundMe page set up to help pay medical bills. By Monday morning, more than $1.1 million has been raised from 29,000 donations. I mean, just imagine you're a kid. You go to ring the doorbell of the house that you think that your siblings are at, you're just going to pick them up and someone shoots you in the head and then shoot, shot him a second time to like send a message. Like this kid literally rang the wrong doorbell and is now fighting for his life because he's. Yeah. Yeah. I saw too. It was the little tiny mistake he made, which I probably do on a regular basis. He meant to go to 115th Terrace, but accidentally went to a home on 115th Street. So I just... like It's just insane. I've rung the the wrong doorbell so many times. Like, there is just no justification for this in any, any sense. It's just shocking that, like, people's minds go to that to be so threatened to, like, I don't know. I'm curious, too, like, what the whole interaction was. I don't know that we'll know because it was just them, too. I don't know if there was other witnesses or cameras or, like, to know if, like, he even sat there to converse with with him, with Ralph or whether it was just, like, a blanket, like, look out the door, you know, because I don't know That's if we'll, what, I, what we're going to find is- out about it. Yeah, that's that's what I've gathered from it, that it was like a blank shot. But either way, like... Which is so Someone rings your doorbell and your reaction in any way. And such another reason why we need gun reform, too. And we should, if you are purchasing a gun to protect yourself, you should have to go through some type of training to, you know, kind of assess threats and figure out whether, you know, your gun should even be used in situations like... It's crazy, you know. Totally. I, but I also think this just reads to me as like just such a racist piece of bullshit that like true. I don't even think even if he were better trained at like this is when to use a gun, this is when the stand your ground law applies, like this is a threat. Like it, I don't think any of that applies yeah. because I think this is just a racist piece of shit that said, hey, this kid, wrong place, wrong time, Definitely. I'm taking advantage of it. And that's but the fact that like there's a chance that like there's even a question of whether to charge him does fall back on like some gun laws and the standard ground of it all. And that that I don't agree with. You know, I just like it's crazy that this there is a world in which this could possibly be allowed or this guy could walk free. And technically he is currently walking free. So it's crazy. Yeah, the stand your ground laws to me are incredibly infuriating. Like, I totally agree that you should be able to protect yourself in this country, 
or it, especially like on your own property. Mm-hmm. But there is like such an overreach with like the way that they are created and utilized. This is not the first scenario in which someone has been incredibly innocent and been gunned down in this manner. Like this is not like exactly. a, a first time situation. And so that just insanity insanity but a lot of people are reaching out to the prosecutor who also was mentioned in this article and is saying that the public should not be worried but i think it's still important to reach out you can email him actually at uh, prosecutor at claycopa.com or you can call their their office 816-736-8300 and ask to speak to him or or any human about the case and demand that charges be made so yeah there's that one so messed up and fucked up and i don't even have more just all the adjectives that relate to that you know yeah just all of the disappointing adjectives totally totally so now that we just said that whole story there is an update a positive update. A man has been charged in the shooting of 16-year-old Ralph Yarl, who we were just talking about. Clay County Prosecutor Zachary Thompson announced just now. Okay. And- <laughs> there we go. I wonder, it was probably because we are putting out in the universe, people should email and call him. He was like, wait, can you guys call? <laughs> I'm charging That's what him. it was. There it is. Wow. So okay, you so- kind of took too long, buddy. A thousand percent. Could not agree more. Well, the person he's charging, Andrew D. Lester, 84, faces charges of first-degree assault and armed criminal action related to the shooting Thursday in a Northland neighborhood. Thompson noted that the assault charge is a Class A felony. If found guilty, Lester, who's the shooter, faces no less than 10 years and up to 30 years or life imprisonment. Well, he's 84, old, so, so 30 years, 30 plus 84. I mean, even 10 years, he could be caput by then. Well, that's good. Um, I hope he. I hope, I hope he that's good. Him. I mean, I don't know like, I whether really... there's like a stronger charge that could have been made for this man, or if people are going to be upset about it or happy about it. We'll see. But to me, at this moment, it sounds like it's a good first step. But still, I mean, it's just such a whack story. I'm glad that they moved on it. Yeah, and this but... part that's like so, it just like heart wrenching. That's covered in this particular story is it says the junior at Staley High School is allegedly shot in the head. It's not allegedly. He was shot in the head <laughs> by a homeowner who shot him again after he'd fallen to the ground. Yarl got up and sought help at three different homes before someone assisted him, family members said. So. Ugh, so terrible. People just need to be better. Like, I can't. I can't. It's just... Well, glad we got that update and just in time, just in time for us, before we moved on from that story, we got a little update. There it is. There it is. works in mysterious ways. It really does. It really, it keeps us on our toes. There we go. Well, oh, you gave me the wonky story. (sighs) I'm sorry. You're going to catch me texting if I don't do it. So that's, that's true. Yeah, That's guys, true. Maddie keeps catching me 
I texting like in every clip there's like will always be one moment where I've like looked at my phone and I'm clearly not paying attention I'm always reading the wonky ones (laughs) so we're just switching it up this time maybe I get to be on my phone this yeah lol I just I always just I need something in my hand you know what I mean like I need something visual always like that's the problem with our generation as a whole I know but I can't even watch tv without staring at my phone well, no, what I did recently and now I don't know where I put it is I started, I have like a squishy scrunchie and I started holding it when we're on we calls. We need to get Samantha a fidget so that, spinner, I guess. Totally. But it needs to be, I don't like a fidget spinner though. It's like too, it, the I've texture never, of the plastic is like really, like, I, I don't make that. not feeling anything special from a fidget spinner. Like yeah. I was like, I don't even, is this even working? I don't understand. What is it? What and is this supposed to feel like? The movement doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like anything to me. And yeah, so I don't know. TBT to fidget spinners. That was such a weird phase. So weird. Maybe not weird, but just like a. No, it was weird because it was just like they were everywhere and they were well, all the craze. Someone out there be a blessed friend and send me ideas for ADHD hacks. Maybe yeah. like. Something squishy, maybe. Something something not fit. Not. I don't like plastic texture. There's those like squishy balls. Sorry. <laughs> like literally right when I finished saying that, I was like, that. Mine out of the gutter, please. Thank you. But they literally are like squishy balls. Like children use them in class. And they're those I think you would like because you also love stuffed animals. But they're like really, I actually love the feeling of those. Not sexually. <laughs> Wait, speaking of, I saw this TikTok and it was like this song. It's like, I even like took you to my hometown. And then this girl made like a trend over it and was like, I even like introduced you to my stuffed animal, Chester. And I was like, first of all, adorable. Well, it's like your date threshold to introduce to your stuffed animal. Mm, That's a great question. Well, Pengy's always on my bed. So it's like really like, you know, when they come over. And that varies, but I will say this. I right? raise. Whatever it is. He's always, he has to hang out. But I will also say this, is in my dating life, like I try and go to the guy's apartment as much as possible first because I want to be able to leave. I want to have an exit plan and it's really hard to kick someone yeah, out Yeah, when you're apartment. like, can you leave? Yeah, it's just awkward. Why are you still here? Just, yeah, I feel you. Anyways, um, into the wonkiness. Into the wonkiness. All right, well, Congress is back. Baby, we're back. Debt ceiling and McCarthy, only our favorite topic. So House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, whose side note we have yet to come up with a nickname for, taking ideas. Regardless, he pledged on Monday, aka today, to pass legislation to raise the nation's debt ceiling, but only on condition of capping future federal spending increases at 1%. As he lashed out, he had this tantrum for refusing, for Biden refusing to engage in budget-cutting negotiations to prevent a debt crisis. Here's a little reminder moment, BTW. The debt ceiling or debt limit is a legislative limit on the amount of national debt that can be incurred by the U.S. Treasury, thus limiting how much money the federal government may pay on the debt they already borrowed. Okay. Now we've got that squared by. In a high-profile speech at the New York Stock Exchange, McCarthy, the Republican leader who is marking his 100th day as speaker, said the nation's debt load is a ticking time bomb. Biden is missing in action as the deadline nears to raise the debt limit. Isn't he in Ireland? Don't we know where he is? Missing in action? Yeah. He's, He's hanging out with the leprechauns. 
hanging out with the leprechauns. Okay, anyways, late nines. Since the president continues to hide, House Republicans will take action, McCarthy said. Ooh, spooky. He does, he does provide the the dramatics for us, even when talking about the debt limit. I do appreciate that. Thank you, you McCarthy. And I will give him a compliment. His hair is quite quaffed. Whoa. Like, it, it really, like, it stays Whoa, in place. you're giving him a compliment. Crazy. I know. It's very weird. Weird day for us. You know, it's just every once in a while, it comes through. Ah, but nonetheless, the White House hit that quickly, accusing McCarthy of dangerous economic hostage-taking, and administration officials re-upped Biden's pressure on the Republican leader to approve a debt ceiling increase with no strings attached. Mm. Spicy. McCarthy's Wall Street address came with Washington heading toward a potential fiscal crisis over the need to raise the nation's debt limit, now at $31 trillion, and over a federal default. The Treasury Department has said it is taking extraordinary measures to continue paying its bills, but money will run short this summer. You know, that is a terrible time to be broke. <sighs> While vowing that defaulting on our debt is not an option, McCarthy faces his own challenges pushing a legislative fix to passage. With his slim majority and less than strong grip on power, he's been unable to rally his Republican troops around a budget-cutting proposal that he could offer the White House's starting point in negotiations. The outline of conditions he proposed Monday is considered dead on arrival in the Democratic-controlled Senate. Oh, a DOA. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Instead, McCarthy is seeking to shift the blame for the standoff and draw the White House back into talks. What is he going to seduce them? The longer Biden waits to be sensible to find an agreement, the more likely it becomes that this administration will bumble into the first default in our nation's history, he said. White House Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates called McCarthy's conditions a MAGA wish list that will increase costs for hardworking families, a reference to former President Donald Trump's Make America Great Again slogan. A speech isn't a plan, but it did showcase the House Republican priorities, said Bates. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said it's McCarthy who continues to bumble our country toward a catastrophic default. Wow, so much bumble in here. Like... Is this an ad for the dating app? Like that's I know that's a what I'm that's a definitely a lot of use for that word. Mm-hmm. Really bringing it back, trying to make it trendy. President Biden and I are happy to meet with the speaker when he has something to talk about. Schumer said he went all the way to Wall Street and gave us no more detail, no more facts, no new information at all. Nevertheless, McCarthy was both upbeat and defiant as he vowed to pass a bill through the House that would raise the nation's debt limit into the next year, putting the issue squarely in the 2024 presidential election, coupling it with a plan to roll back federal spending to fiscal 2022 levels and cap future spending at no more than 1% a year over the next decade. I just, this, know what this reminds me of? What? You know, in Will Haskell's book that's talking, the chapter where he talks about the two representatives that were from opposing parties that were faking to have a fight on the floor, but what were just like going about their day, they're like, I'm raising my hands. Like, and they think I'm fighting for whatever. Like, can you just look like you're mad too? And we're fighting. And they're like, so how's your weekend? Yeah. Like that's what this gives to me. in like a lot of ways where like, like, I don't, I don't know. I I think it's just like such a ceiling. And not because it's it's not like a boogeyman kind of like, yeah, it's again it's like never happened before 
So I don't know. And it's always like a Republican talking point. So it's just starting to kind of feel like the boys, the boys who cried wolf a little bit. And again, I think there's still something to be said about our debt limit and being cautious around it. But I also don't think the Democrats are like throwing it to the wind. Like, I think there is obviously they function in a way to make sure that like our government won't like collapse or whatever they're saying that this is going to be. Again, it's just always always something you're hearing from Republicans when Democrats are in power. They're just on attack in attack mode. So again, it's just I always not that I want Republicans to be in power, but I am curious about like what they'll actually try and get done. You know what I mean? Like if it besides the bigotry, like do you have any type of solutions or stances like on anything besides like being bigots and like giving corporations tax cuts like what else i mean look i'm i'm not curious enough to find out no um (laughs) (laughs) so moving on to another congress's back update because there is this whole conversation around the absent senators and there's a lot to talk about so senate republican leader mitch mcconnell is back at work in the U.S. Capitol on Monday, almost six weeks after a fall at a Washington area hotel and extended treatment for a concussion. The longtime Kentucky Senator 81 has been recovering at home since he was released from a rehabilitation facility. He fell after attending an event earlier that month, injuring his head and fracturing a rib. Oh, I wish there was a video. Sorry. Um <laughs> Sorry. Not because I like want him to be hurt. It's just it's gotta be funny. Like, you know what I want it for though? Except for again, we couldn't like in all good faith like do it without like it going so wrong. Is use Shay's sound. <laughs> oh, 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 oh no, literally no. it's the same thing. How did no one catch him? <laughs> no, like I'm curious. Was there like a crowd around him or you know, I'm just like curious. Yeah. But I'm I'm glad he is better. Yeah. Glad he, I'm glad he recovered. But anyways, McConnell arrived at the Capitol early Monday and is expected to work a full schedule in the Senate this week. He said, I'm looking forward to returning to the Senate on Monday. We've got important business to tackle and big fights to win for Kentuckians and the American people. McConnell returns. Sorry, side note. You know what is actually really interesting about his fall? Mm. Is if he like hit his, like, I'm so curious how this fall went down. Because he clearly, he didn't put his arms out. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you typically fall, like, my mom's saying, falling. like, also, she falls on her side, like, she knows how to fall. <laughs> and if you fall a lot, you really know how to fall. Yeah. So, like, you know what I mean? I always like, like crack my ankles when I fall, but I tend to put my oh, hands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you usually try and break your fall or like, like this. Yeah. And I'm, that's why I'm wondering, like, I just w- would like to see it again, not <laughs> because I want to know how it happened. And I want to know if it, again, if there was people around, if it was like a big <gasps> gas from the crowd and everyone saw it, or was it just like private? And was it like a timber slow fall or was it like an aggressive, like fast one? Because I'm, I'm thinking too, if you break a rib, like something kind of like aggressive, blunt, have like blunt force kind of would have to yeah. happen. Right. Totally. Like, it makes me think I'm like, did he fall? Like, did he trip? And then it's like he fell over like two steps. He tried to catch himself and then he hit, yeah. you know? Like, did he like, fall into like a, a railing? You know, like, did he fall into something? That's what I kind of feel like, kind of, there had to have been something, or did he pass out? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sort mm. of like, how did, like, still, I'm no, like, I just feel like falling. 
Like I had when I if found- you're just falling from standing on the floor to then hitting floor, I feel like that's not maybe enough force to like break a rib. I feel like there had to be some type of external force. Yeah, which right? makes me think he started falling and tried. Maybe he tried to catch himself. Oh, and did one like of those was, like long like trips. And it- <laughs> there's so many options. This is how I- he Well, yeah, I'm just. Again, it's more like for scientific purposes. I'm just curious. But again, glad he's, I'm glad he recovered. Totally. Totally. Glad he's kicking. Yeah. And anyways, he returns to the Senate ahead of a busy stretch in which Congress will have to find a way to raise the nation's debt ceiling <laughs> and negotiate additional aid for the Ukraine war, among other policy matters. He comes back as several other senators have been out for medical reasons, raising questions about how much the Senate will be able to achieve in the coming months with a 51 to 49 split between the parties. Already the, already the GOP leaders' absence, along with those of Democratic senators, Dianne Feinstein and John Fetterman, among others, have added to the Senate's lethargic pace. I was going to say, too, like before we started the story, like mm-hmm. this just spoke exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I just feel like the Senate has been so lethargic. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And it's like, no, this agree. is obviously the big the big reason. But I'm like, I was trying to think of like how to say it. I'm like, lethargic pace couldn't be a more accurate description of what I was feeling. Oh, no, it's genuinely perfect. Yeah. But lethargic pace in the first few months of this year, unlike the past two years in which Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was able to push through key elements of Joe Biden's agenda with the help of a Democratic-led House, the Senate has been significantly slowed with Republicans now in charge of the House and absences have have made even simple votes like nominations more difficult, which is another thing. I'm like, now that Congress and the House is in the, in the hands of the Republicans. I'm like, that's even more reason why the Senate needs to step, step the fuck up, you know? Right. But one immediate question for McConnell upon, upon his return is whether to help Democrats temporarily replace Feinstein on the Senate Judiciary Committee as she continues to recover in California from a case of the shingles. Democrats have become increasingly frustrated as the Democrats' more than six-week absence on the panel has stalled confirmation of some of Biden's nominees, and Feinstein has asked for a short-term substitute on the committee. Democrats can't do that, though, without help from Republicans since approval of the process would take 60 votes on the Senate floor. Two GOP members of the Judiciary Panel, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas and Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, have already said they don't believe that Republicans should help Democrats replace Feinstein. It is unclear when Feinstein 89 will return to Washington. Her office has so far declined to say. Also returning to the Senate on Monday is Fetterman, who was hospitalized for clinical depression in February. He was treated for six weeks at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, and his doctors said his depression is now, quote, in remission. Fetterman's announcement that he was checking himself into the hospital earlier this year came after he suffered a stroke last year and has struggled with auditory processing disorder, which can render someone unable to speak fluidly and quickly process spoken conversation into meaning. The Pennsylvania Democrat 53 now uses devices in conversations, meetings, and congressional hearings that that transcribe spoken words in real time. In a statement when he was released from Walter Reed late last month, Fetterman said the care he received there, quote, changed my life. I'm excited to be the father and husband I want to be and the senator Pennsylvania deserves. So McConnell visited his Capitol office on Friday ahead of his Monday return in a cap- video captured by NBC News. He walked into the building without assistance as aides kept close by, which I thought was an interesting anecdote to the story. No, totally. Um, like, I feel like you add that for a reason. Like the writer of this story. Like, yeah. Trying to be yeah. like, 
yeah, he's still very old, you know. Yeah. Um, this was the second major injury for McConnell in recent years. Four years ago, he tripped and fell at his home in Kentucky, ca- causing a shoulder fracture that required surgery. Yikes. So he's a hard faller. He's breaking bones every time he falls. Totally. He also must – well, this the sunk sign talks about how he had polio as a child, mm-hmm. which has long been, I think, actually, a part of that. But I just never – But yeah, I'm just interested just to know still like the hips and the people I need to see played out. But – yeah. Yeah. Interesting, no too, actually... he's had two falls that, like, have taken him out of the Senate for a prolonged amount of time. He must, like, his months. bone density. He must yeah. have really big issues with bone density. Like, obviously, if he hits his head, which he did in this, like, last fall, like, yeah. specifically, like, okay, you got a concussion, there's ramifications to that. But if you're, like, also tripping, falling, and fracturing otherwise, like, that's definitely a bone density issue, not a doctor, but that's, like, how I view that. Yeah, no, no, but, we're not doctors here, and that's why we're no. posing these questions. You know, they're mm-hmm. it's important to pose questions, anyways. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, super. Um, all of it's interesting from the McConnell to the Feinstein. That's a big conversation being had right now. Well, and I know you have you, thoughts and theories. I do, and I think I really think my theory is right. Um, we'll hear it, and I did post it on on the TikTok. So go find it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll link it in the description. We'll see if I remember to do that because we know I have a bad track record. But regardless, so here, let me try and math this out. Mm-hmm. So, and also my initial theory evolved slightly, but okay. basically my theory is so Ro Khanna, who we found on the show, and I'm a fan of Ro, so it's not to be like, be like, mm. like I don't agree with his strategy if, it's, if I'm right on his strategy, but I do think it's smart. So he was a potential contender for the California Senate race and the Senate race being for Feinstein's seat. Like, it was like, okay, is he going to run? Schiff's already in, Katie Porter's already in, Barbara Lee's in. Like, oh, like he's considering. And then he decided to be like, you know what? No, I'm not in it. And joined Barbara Lee's team, like Mm -hmm. campaigning for her, endorsing her, et cetera. Then Gavin Newsom, governor of California, said that if Feinstein's seat needed to be filled, whether she unfortunately passes in office, I hope that does not happen. If she decided to resign, any other you know things in which she is no longer in that seat in the, before the 24 election, he would appoint a black woman to that seat. Yeah. And Barbara Lee, Congresswoman Barbara Lee is a black woman, a mm-hmm. renowned politician, you know, candidate for the seat. And so yeah. what that looks like to me is Ro Khanna trying to seat Barbara Lee into that seat, and then once in that seat, she would have to run for a re-election, technically, in tw- for the 24 cycle, and she would have the incumbent name recognition as the senator and have an easier shot, which would force Schiff and Porter to be like, okay, not worth it, and maybe run for the seats in Congress that they currently have. So, yeah, and I think that that is of that theory is probably very much a part of the conversation internally with both of those camps but i also say like there are calls for her resigning i think across the board especially if she's like looking for replacements in the meantime and then she's she's not going to run again so i'm like well this is what i think is like messed up about this scenario because this is how this all what came from this pod save america had like something out of the crooked camp basically started the conversation of, like, Feinstein has been missing these judicial appointment situations, votes, she should resign. And then Ro Khanna 
responded in a tweet and started a firestorm. And then also Congressman Phillips, who we also had on the show, got into the conversation and backed him up. And I forget who else it was, but someone else we've also had on the show also did the same thing. I was like, what the hell is this? Like the Gromlik of the podcast alum, like tag team over here. But regardless, she didn't come up with that suggestion until this became a news media circus last week. So who? That's... Feinstein. She was not oh. going to be like, oh, yeah. replacing. So I look, I don't think, look, I think we need term limits. I think that yes, she clearly is like missing. I don't think it's things. problematic though. Like, even if it was a media sh- like storm, like, I think all those points are really valid because like we literally need to appoint people to these spots. Again, Senate's been in the lethargic pace, like we mentioned. And totally, especially again, she has. She's not going to run again. Let's be honest. I just she's she's clearly like not even able to fulfill her duties right now. And there's no there's it's still tentative as to when she could and be be able to come back. This is we're talking about like she could come back in a few months and like literally she would only have a year left in her seat. It's just like really what what are you? doing there still and especially if you're struggling with your health like it just doesn't make sense to like stay in and it just I don't know it all raises like a lot it all makes a lot of sense to me look I don't Um, disagree with like that sentiment but where it gets like meh for me and Pelosi came up with a statement actually Jill Brand did too and it's just like if this were a male senator that were ill and not showing up this would never have gotten a single soundbite on it like I and I I, I do I don't know Like, I just don't think, like, if there were a male senator of particular age that were doing so hot, that this would be such a thing. I also think the fact that her... I don't feel, like, so confidently in that. I think think there could be calls regardless. I think there's a big conversation right now politically around age. And this this is such a perfect example of why we need to sometimes just, like, pass the torch. And, I mean... There's no part of me, at least, that's thinking this This is because she's a woman. And I also think there's, since there's a call, too, to fill it with a woman and a black woman, there's, like, I don't know, that also takes that space. But I don't know. I I, I don't always trust, too, what Pelosi says, just given that she she doesn't want Barbara Lee to be appointed because she wants Schiff to win. She endorsed, she's in his camp. So it's, like, it, that's all political, too, you know, that's some of those point. statements. So... I don't know. I pers- And I personally, I'm also just like, too, I'm like, why are you you're struggling at home with your health? Go take care of yourself. You've done amazing work in your career. Step down, pass the torch and l- allow our Senate to function like because well, it's not to also to that point and to like that set of things. I will also say like California is as a Senate race in general is a safe Democratic seat. Like if she were in a very Republican state and, you know, it was going to have some sort of impact there, then I would have. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, too, what the impact even in a red state would be that let's appoint someone now and get them that name recognition. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm more just on like the age front of being like, I want a functioning government. And especially it's like we would get another woman in there anyways. So. I don't know. I kind of feel like Pelosi's playing a bit of the 
the feminism card on that one, but because I know she has a, a specific agenda too with how this yeah, scenario rolls does. out. She so. does, which I think the whole thing is interesting. I also think that just that Senate race in general, it's how do I how do we put this into words? Obviously, like you're able to run and you want that seat, like by all means, love compete, like see who the best fit is. But you're putting three of the strongest, biggest names in California politics and national politics in a primary against each against each other with the possibility of them losing those seats in Congress. It's like, guys, can we like get together and like form a strategy here? Like, yeah, I, I don't especially think that Katie Porter's seat. Like, that Katie Porter's is, seat. I was going to say like, that. That's what I think makes me, I, I'm not articulating this well, but like makes me nervous. I'm not saying she shouldn't run or that she doesn't have the right to be like, fuck it. Like, I'm going for it. Sorry, by all means, take it by the bull by the reins. But like, it, it almost shows like a lack of unification across the board. And they're all progressives. Like, all three of them are progressive Democrats. So, like, I mean, I don't think Schiff is. He labels himself that way. Look at his <sighs> campaign website. Well, yeah, because he's running Senate-wide in California, but he's definitely yeah, the least. He's the most establishment person. But yeah. no, yeah, I think especially the Katie Porter seat, you're so right. Like, it's just... Like, we could easily lose that seat. For sure. There's 100%. already Republicans... Or, maybe it's not Republicans, but there's a Republican in that race already. But that's another reason why... Feinstein should just step down. We appoint Barbara Lee. Katie Porter can back out and we can save her seat. And we don't have to like have this toss up of like of multiple seats being up for grabs now because there's this huge Senate race. You know, right. I just think honestly for overall for the Democratic Party, it'd be best to get somebody in that seat now and not have to worry about a mass. <laughs> I don't know. There's a whole money equation too to, the, to, to this though, because campaigns are expensive and they like money, so having this race be competitive is probably helpful to a lot of stakeholders. But wait, no, yeah. I don't know. Before we dive into this next story, can you legally, like, as a campaign savior? I don't know if you know this, or like, maybe this might be a question for a future guest. If say you're a campaign and you've raised a million dollars. And you and you don't owe anything. You drop out of the race. Can you gift that money to a different campaign? No, right? So you, I think you create, you have like a fund almost. Again, this is definitely something we should ask someone. But from my understanding too, there's like, you can roll campaign funds over sometimes too to like different campaigns that you run on. So like the money they raise for their Senate campaign might be able to be used for a congressional and then there's like exploratory funds and stuff like that. So there's like kind of loopholes of ways like money can be just like shifted over to a different entity almost within their own camp. Oh, but within their own camp. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Would, I mean, there might be a world in which you can donate to, but I don't think you would donate it no, to right? anyone. I think you'd keep it somehow in like some type of. And I think you, what you can do is create like an exploratory fund and that allows you to kind of like prep for a future campaign. Got it. Yeah. Which would be interesting though. It's like, what's the question of like, if you decide to just like never run again for something and you have funds, like what do you do with the funds? Great question. 
Great question. Yeah. I mm. think you mm. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Very complicated. And there's all these weird loopholes and it's different for different races and whether you're going from Senate to the House or if you're, you know, a state assembly member or state senate and you want to run for Congress, like it's different. But yeah, a huge, huge story right now. Somebody even on our Instagram wanted us to talk about that. So there it is. Interested to see what happens on this friend, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next story. Next story. GOP goes after Alvin Bragg. Republicans upset with Trumpy's indictment are escalating their war on the prosecutor who charged him, trying to, quote, unquote, embarrass the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg on his home turf, partly by falsely portraying New York City as a place overrun by crime. I can't. The House Judiciary Committee, led by Ohio Republican Jim Jordan, held a field hearing Monday near Bragg's office to examine the Democrats' quote-unquote pro-crime anti-victim policies. New York City has lost—this is a quote by him—New York City has lost its way when it comes to fighting crime and upholding the law, Jordan said. Here in Manhattan, the scales of justice are weighed down by politics. For the district attorney, justice isn't blind. It's about advancing opportunities to promote a political agenda, a radical political agenda. I'm sorry, but Jim Jordan, have you ever, is this your first trip to New York City? Have you ever gone on the subway? Which I admit is not always the best, but like, don't <laughs> actually, actually don't go on the subway. <laughs> Bad example, but no, seriously, like that's like, this is that type of shit. Like I'm not saying that crime isn't a problem in the city as in various levels for sure, but like you clearly have never been to New York before this. Like, I'm sorry. Or if yeah. you did, well, you, no, tra- you, like, did you stay in Times Square? He's He knows he's not being I know, like, I know. But accurate. I'm just saying. And this is just such like a attack. This is, a, this is always what they do. Also, Brian, I was trying to find his story because he said something about this too. With just every, all this specific story, like, is crime a problem? Absolutely. But be wary of people manipulating data to support their narrative. And that's just like exactly what yeah. this is. I could not agree more. And you want to talk about a political agenda or a political attack. So you're literally doing that right now. (laughs) Like you're traveling to New York. You're literally a representative from Ohio and your other office is in D.C. And you're like, yeah, what are you doing there besides something political? A political agenda. wonder where he's going to dinner. Mm. He's probably going to like the Applebee's in Times Square. That's, yep. That's Mm. accurate. And the M&M store after. Sounds really good. I love those like mini M and M's. Oh, the, I haven't had them in the, so long. Why are the minis better than the regular? I know. Maybe it's because like it's like maybe thing. because yeah, you know what? I think maybe because the coating is like thinner, and so it's like more chocolate to to coating ratio. Because mm-hmm. like the M and M's, like the regular size, I, sometimes they're a little hard. But I think the small ones, it's like a, a thinner coat, so they're like easier to chew and they just are more delicious. A thousand percent. A thousand percent, and even like the containers better, like the little ones, which yeah. is really bad for me to say because fun fact my grandpa invented the no rip, like the no sound rip oh. container for fun MNX. Fact. Yeah, wow. fun fact had the sold the patent on it, but had the patent on that iconic. Yeah, so MMs have a special place in my family's little repertoire. Really? Can't go down an MM aisle without that being mentioned. But I do agree. The little ones, the, I like that. Like the snap of the container, too. Or is it... Yeah. MMs on the go, pocket MMs. 
Anyways, Democrats said the hearing was a partisan stunt. True. Aimed at amplifying conservative anchor at Bragg, Manhattan's first black district attorney, and pressed Republicans to instead focus on curbing the proliferation of guns. Mayor Eric Adams, ick, a Democrat and former police captain, called the hearing an in-kind donation to the Trump campaign. I actually agree with him. And Senate Majority, well, I agree with Eric Adams on something else. Never thought I'd see the day, but nonetheless. Anyways, when Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, a New York Democrat, called it a circus. True. True, true. New York Rep. Jared Nadler, the committee's ranking Democrat, said Jim Jordan engages in a lot of political theater in Washington, but he should know better than to take his tired act to Broadway. Ha <laughs> ha. Nice <laughs> one. Got him. Iconic. New Yorkers see through this transparent attempt to defend Donald Trump at all costs while ignoring the real public safety needs of our community. I also would just say, like, I don't think any normal, like, New Yorker is paying a shit's attention to this. No one's, like, like in the city yeah. specifically. Maybe you're on Long Island, you feel differently. But no one sees, like, Jim Jordan's in town. He's going to tell Alvin Bragg, yeah. right? Also, like, since when do, like, government, any type of government, city, state, federal... Why do they only focus on one issue? You know, like they can do multiple things at a time. They can Literally. address multiple issues at a time. Maybe the Republicans don't know what that's like to, you know, create multiple solutions at one time. Yeah, they Thanks. look. They they struggle with so many things, and that's one of them. But nonetheless, in a statement, Bragg's office said that ending violence, stopping crime, and supporting victims and their families are his most sacred duties, and that he'll always work with any local, state, or federal partner who is serious about achieving lasting public safety. For outside politicians to now appear in New York City on the taxpayer dime for a political stunt is a slap in the face to the dedicated NYPD officers, prosecutors, and other public servants who work tirelessly every day with facts and data to keep our homes safe, Bragg's office said. Interrupted several times by outbursts from protesters, Monday's hearing was a latest salvo in Jordan's weeks-long effort to use his congressional powers to defend Trump for what he says is a politically motivated prosecution. Jordan has sent letters to Bragg demanding testimony and documents claiming Bragg's office is subject to congressional scrutiny because it gets federal grants. He subpoenaed a former prosecutor, Mark Pomerantz, who previously oversaw the Trump investigation. Bragg then sued Jordan, calling the subpoena a transparent campaign to intimidate him. Pomerant said in court papers Monday that the subpoena leaves him in an impossible position and, if enforced, will require him to violate his ethical obligations or risk being held in contempt of Congress if he refuses. Federal judge scheduled an initial hearing on Wednesday. Again, I've said this so many times. Is this a politically motivated prosecution of Donald Trump? Maybe, just maybe. Honestly, confidently, maybe yes. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a crime though we must go through with this we must hold him accountable i saw a tiktok too of, like someone was literally like saying the same exact sentiment and it was like acting out like a conservative and a democrat like talking about this and the conservative was like well we're gonna go prosecute bill clinton in idaho and he the guy was like okay go like if he's if he's guilty of something then great. We hold someone accountable for a crime. Right. You know, if it's politically motivated, sure, you can get a little frustrated that that's happening. But at the end of the day, like, why are you defending so staunchly someone who is like committing crimes? Like, regardless of where the prosecution is coming from, like, if there's a crime, there's a crime and you shouldn't support that person for, to run for president again if they're going to be proven guilty for a crime. So. 
this this whole saga, this political theater, that's what this whole like New York case, Trump case is. And now it's just like the GOP is like fighting back with their pettiness. But it's just like everyone just needs to grow up truly at the end of the day. That's all I have to say about that. Agreed. Yeah. No argument here. Yeah. Well, last story, a quick one. We also were asked on our Instagram, if you guys ever want us to cover something specific, do DM us. But the Fox and Dominion updates, because there are some. So without citing a reason, the Delaware judge overseeing a voting machine company's $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News announced late Sunday that he was delaying the start of the trial until Tuesday. The trial, which has drawn international interest, had been scheduled to start Monday with jury selection and opening statements. The case centers on whether Fox defamed Dominion voting systems by spreading false claims that the company rigged the 2020 election to prevent former President Donald Trump's re-election. Records produced as part of the lawsuit show that many of the network's hosts and executives didn't believe the allegations but aired them anyways. Claire Bischoff, a Dominion spokesperson, said the company would have no comment on the trial delay, as did Fox Corporation, which is being sued along with Fox News. Representatives of the network did not return a request for comment. In his statement, Delaware Superior Court Judge Eric Davis said only that the trial, including jury selection, would be continued until Tuesday and that he would announce the delay in court on Monday. That's when Fox News executives and the network's star hosts were scheduled to begin answering for their role in spreading doubt about the 2020 presidential election and creating the gaping wound that remains in America's democracy. It's a very valid point. The actual turmoil that happened after this because of fucking literally Fox News. Jurors hearing the $1.6 billion lawsuit filed against Fox by Dominion Voting Systems would have to answer a specific question. Did Fox defame the voting machine company by airing bogus stories alleging that the election was rigged against then-President Donald Trump, even as many of at the network privately doubted the false claims being pushed by Trump and his allies? Yet the broader context looms large. A trial would test press, press freedom and reputation of conservatives' favorite news source. It also would eliminate the flow of misinformation that helped spark the January 6, 2021 insurrection and continues to fuel Trump hopes to regain power in 2024. This is Christmas Eve for defamation scholars, said Ron Nell Anderson Jones, a University of Utah law professor. Fox News star Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and founder Rupert Murdoch are among the people who had been expected to testify barring a settlement. Opening statements are now scheduled for Tuesday. So this is going to be interesting to see this play out. Yeah. Also, the last week I talked about how my conservative uncle who watches Fox News and other problematic news sources literally had no idea this this was even happening, that Fox was being sued for this, that they knew that the big lie was a lie, that they didn't believe the things that they were saying about the election and about January 6th. And they literally had no idea. And that's like, it's just really sad that there is a large group of people in this country who are being fed like completely false information at the expense of like profit or a major corporation. And it's just so fucked up at the end of the day. But no, the this is Christmas Eve for defamation scholars thing is so accurate. And like, 
I'm just really interested to see how it all turns out because I think this is kind of uncharted territory as well with the whole like free press conversation. And so watching how this this case all plays out is going to be interesting. Also, since defamation cases, like so rarely does the person suing for defamation win. Rarely. True. I know it's an organization, but like if they win, this would set precedence in so many different ways. So Yeah, I also feel like the actual case like for Dominion, I I feel like a lot of Fox News, I mean, I, I, this is just like from what I've seen, I could be totally wrong, but like I feel like their coverage and their narrative around everything wasn't like about Dominion. It was literally about like attacking democracy, not attacking the specific voting machines. I mean, I'm sure they've said things before that like attacked it specifically. Yeah. But like the overall thing, like their overall narrative was more like, our election systems are rigged. I think they did do a lot of like specific call outs of it. Yeah. And a lot of the fall, like especially like in like the various election boards have been to get rid of Dominion voting machines specifically as a result of what Fox has said. So yeah. they're has been. Yeah, that's true. That and, and, yeah, that as long direction. as you can like call like instances where obviously they came after them specifically not symbols but like i think you could like argue right it's that it's like the free press argument and then also the free speech argument and then it's which is what makes defamation so hard to prove and then is this there's like this it's funny because i was watching this hassan minaj special and he talks he was sued for defamation of this dude on his show and how his like lawyer handled it and whatnot and part of it is that it's put against the idea of like how do I phrase this? I this see this proves this is why me being not being a lawyer was clearly the right choice. But basically, said the Supreme Court has ruled that people are reasonable. Like the baseline of people in the U.S. are reasonable, and so if a reasonable person, yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> I disagree with the Supreme Court. No, I know. And he makes, he made like a joke. He was like, that's I actually great only, joke material. He was like, <laughs> you can I go not only think that like people in the United States are not reasonable. And basically it's like saying that the majority of Americans have at least like medium level of like intelligence. And he was like, okay. Ugh. Like it makes like so many jokes off of that too. It was really funny. Highly yeah. recommend, especially for anyone that watched his, his past show. It was funny. Okay. Interesting. Love. Yeah. Love a good comedy special. So, but anyways, the good one is really Eliza Schlesinger. And that's my, my take on that. My recommendation. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, those are our top stories of the week. We have a fresh episode tomorrow. Samantha, do you want to do the honors? I shall absolutely do the honors. You guys may have sent us some questions last week to our story. Thank you for that. Our guest that was receiving those questions was Missouri State Representative Deb Lavender. The episode, the discussion is all about Missouri state politics, education funding, library funding, just the operations of it all, their massive budget surplus and how the Republicans refuse to touch it, what the strategy is there. There are just so many questions answered and just... Honestly, we could have talked to her for hours and hours. I had so many more questions, but this is a really great starting point and answers a lot of questions if you're like looking at headlines and being like, excuse me, Missouri, excuse me, what in this world is happening there? This will definitely get you up to speed. 
So yeah. So yeah. That is the case. Tune in tomorrow Um, for that. And in the meantime, while you're already on the app, because you're you're listening right now, most likely Mm -hmm. on an app, if you could do us a quick save, a quick salad, and give us a little rate and review, this helps us get in front of more people. It helps us in the search bar for shows and all the things. So we'd really share it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Share and it with your friends. Wait. That's even better. Share it on I your am. story. Yeah, and Shh. you will be eligible for stickers, which I'm still waiting for. So mm-hmm. when I get them, you'll get them. But regardless, um, also add to your story tag us. You should follow us on Spotify and mm. subscribe on Apple Music. Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. Sorry, I'm a Spotify girly. But yeah, make sure you follow, like, subscribe, whatever all of those things are, depending on the platform you watch. Listen. Also, speaking of watch subscribe on youtube (laughs) all the things so thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you tomorrow toodaloo toodles Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.